thank you everyone for joining us on our live in west texas podcast here tonight and we have finally made it to the end of 2020 what a strange year it has been uh you may be wondering where we went for a few weeks and uh, we took a few weeks off for the holidays after we got past election day and some things have changed and in Amarillo some things have stayed much the same but there's potential for more changes to come in May when Amarillo will have its voters go to the polls to decide who will be the next mayor and who will sit on the next city council all four seats of the city council will be up for re-election thanks to the defeat of Proposition B and Mayor Ginger Nelson's push to extend city council terms earlier uh, this year. So, lots of fun stuff to talk about with the election, and, you know, we could do hours and hours and hours on this, but I'm sure you don't want to hear me talk about this alone. So, I brought in the man, the myth, the legend, Noah Clay Dawson, to break this whole thing down for us. Noah is a writer for the Emerald Pioneer. Of course, he pins the popular column Noah's Remark. And he's also a reporter for Lone Star Voice, uh, LoneStarVoiceOnline.org. So feel free to check that out. But Noah, hey, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. And we're so excited to get to speak to you about this. Well, thank you for having me on again. Awesome thing is, I'm about to throw the question to you. <laughs> so, um, of course, five city council seats up, if you include the mayor's race. Uh, we have the college board seats up. We have the school board seats up. All of these elections are going to be happening in Amarillo. Just describe for us, though, before we get into the issues and who's running and all of that. This, and I mean, the title of this episode is, I believe, a way too early look or a way too early preview at the Amarillo city elections. Um, and this is a way too early preview, but just really, I guess, five, six months out, what does the landscape look like in Amarillo for these elections? How would you describe it for someone who really hasn't been paying attention? Oh, it's a lot different than it was uh, for the last municipal election two years ago, because in this one, especially, it all revolves around city council. Even the issues where the city council has no power over, that's the election that everyone looks to with these local elections. Two years ago, you had an incumbent city council that a lot of people have very strong opinions on, uh, in support of uh, and also against, and you had a set of challengers against them. And so those lines were very clear in that previous election. This time, we have members of city council who uh, some of them have announced they're not going to be running again. It's an open question for some of them whether or not they're going to be running again. Uh, they just came off of a uh, major loss with the uh, uh, props A and B being defeated. Uh, you have a... a major local pack that had supported them previously. They uh, had the guy that they backed for Congress lose. And so this is shaping up to be a very different election than it was two years ago where it's uh, powerful incumbents versus challengers. 
this time a lot of these races are going to be open uh you have uh the group that has been in power having uh some fractures uh potentially it's looking like and so it's shaping up to be uh, an election where we could see a pretty dramatic change in the direction of our city and that's just looking at the city council and then you've also got all the other races which uh even the races like uh, the school board, the college board, uh, those races, I think, just by virtue of it being an election where there's an open race for city council, you have candidates in those races that uh, may get a boost uh, that are challenging maybe some of the existing uh, people that are in power uh, that may be uh, supportive or working uh, together at least uh, uh you know, there's kind of a general sense with the uh, potential uh, competitors in the city council race. So we could see some pretty dramatic shifts of power uh, after, uh, especially after the recent defeat that uh, the city had with the uh, props A and B. So that's really interesting. And I think that's probably where we need to start uh, when we're discussing this election and what has happened in the you know, months preceding it. Proposition A, of course, was the $275 million bond. Really, it was a $319 million debt issue because there were going to be some certificates of obligation issued. But nonetheless, the ballot said 275 So we'll go with that number. Uh, 275 for renovations to the Emerald Civic Center. Of course, voters rejected that by a pretty wide margin. I mean, that's probably the most convincing bond margin we've seen in Amarillo in a really long time. 62% of voters said no. You go down to Proposition B, and Proposition B was a little less hot of an issue. I believe 52% voted against that one, and that was the term extensions which were pushed by Ginger Nelson, although she lied about it and you know later claimed she did not call for those changes. That, that really was her baby from the start. Um, so you look at that, and Proposition A went down. Proposition B went down. Um, with Proposition A specifically, that's where I want to focus a lot of our attention on here. Uh, with that going down, and now Alex Fairley, a local businessman, has come out with his own plan to renovate the Civic Center. It would be tax-funded. He's trying to get a bond election called. I believe his is somewhere in the neighborhood of about $110 million. Uh, And you can look it up. I think it's inspireamarillo.com is the web address for that but he wants that on the ballot uh we're waiting to see what will happen with the city council ginger nelson of course is pretty much she's all but said no uh to pushing that item for may uh jerry hodge who's the former mayor of amarillo who is supporting fairly's plan has said that it's not a fiscal concern for ginger nelson she's getting political advice that she doesn't want to run for re-election at the same time as a bond election uh, and so there's a lot of things going on around this, but with the weird um, situation that happened with the bond election that was supposed to be in May of 2020, getting pushed to November of 2020, it got defeated by voters, and then now you have the Fairley plan up. Uh, do you think the Civic Center is going to be the marquee issue for these city elections? And if so, why? I think it has the potential to, and there are definitely people uh, that are wanting it to be. 
you have people that want it to be the people behind the Prop A plan versus the people pushing for Fairly's new plan. And I think that if that's the case, then I don't think that's great for the city if that's the case, but I think also it presents a unique opportunity and another contrast to previous city elections where you could have people that are uh, realizing that there's this faction that wants this one really expensive plan for the Civic Center versus the people that are pushing this other really expensive plan for the Civic Center and uh, making it where they think that the only issue that people care about is the Civic Center. When in reality, there are so many other issues that the people in this city care about. And I think it would be a mistake uh, if uh, some of these people only focus on the Civic Center issue. And it really presents a unique opportunity for people who are actually caring about the other issues in the city to actually uh, put forward their ideas to the people while the other groups are uh, pushing just Civic Center, Civic Center, Civic Center. And I got a message for some of those people. Most people in Amarillo, our lives don't revolve around the Civic Center. And uh, so it could become a central issue. I definitely know that there are people who want to make it the issue of this election. But it also presents, like I said, it presents an opportunity for people who actually want to talk about the issues that are actually facing Amarillo taxpayers and Amarillo citizens and people who just want a functioning city. So what are your thoughts? Let's just talk about that. What do you think about the Fairly plan? I mean, do you think this is a plan that people are going to rally around in contrast to defeated Prop A? Or, I mean, what do you think about the overall view of the Fairly plan in Amarillo? I mean, do you think this is something that you're going to see a lot of voters supporting after defeating Proposition A just, uh, you know, a couple of months ago? Now, as for myself, uh, it's maybe in some ways uh, marginally better than the Prop A plan was. Uh, so if it were a situation where you had to pick between Prop A and the Fairly plan, I'd have to go with the Fairly plan. But still, it's uh, it's a major tax increase. It's, it's less of a tax increase than Prop A. That much is true. But it's still a pretty large tax increase. And we still aren't even sure what the economy is going to be like over the next year. We're, uh, we've been in a pretty large recession over this past year. Uh, maybe we'll recover from that. Maybe we won't. I think it's too early to say whether or not uh, that will happen. But in either case, a major tax increase, even in a good economy, is never going to be a hugely popular move. And kind of bringing in with the point in a that I brought up with the last question is I think that some people are way overestimating how much people in Emerald care about the civic center and making it where that is your single campaign issue. That's not going to get as many voters as I think that some people are hoping it will get uh, because again, there are a lot of other issues that people in Emerald care about a lot of issues that actually much more directly impact their lives. And so, uh, it is a bit disconnected, I think, if you're going into the selection thinking that uh, the only issue that you're going to be able to run on is the Civic Center. And this idea that it might be able to motivate some huge number of voters to rally around this single cause that isn't really that impactful on their lives, I, I don't really see that it's going to 
be able to rally as many people as some people are thinking and imagining it's going to happen. So outside of the Civic Center issue, what are some other issues that you think will become hot topics for the cycle? I think it's going to be pretty similar issues in some ways to the previous city council election, only this time it's going to be a lot more of an open uh, discussion of these issues than it was the last time, because last time it was uh, the incumbents versus challengers. And so the lines there were very clearly drawn and I I hate to say it, but whatever line you came on or whichever side of the line you came on, that was probably where your uh, support for those issues was going to be in this case, where it's probably going to be a lot more of an open uh, style election uh, those issues and those issues are, uh, I think the biggest one is trust in city hall because there has been such a huge amount of criticism that's been levied against the city council for the ways that they've treated the public, especially during council meetings and, uh, having a dialogue with the people. Uh, there's also issues, uh, with, uh, animal management. We've been going through directors several times. There have been several major controversies that have uh, occasionally garnered nationwide coverage and not in a good way. Uh, and that has uh, been a constant issue with our uh, uh, animal management welfare uh, program where uh, it's just been a center of controversy. It's been a hot button issue for people. And I think that if there's a candidate that comes along that actually has a well thought out plan for this, they're going to capture a lot of people's attention, uh, especially in this style of election where it's going to be a lot more open. Uh, so that's going to be another issue. There's also uh, uh, issues of uh, the economy where, uh, again, kind of similar to how someone with the civic center issue, we aren't in that great of an economic position right now. And yet the only plan that seems to be put forward is well, maybe if we put more stuff downtown, like if we just improve the civic center, that'll fix all our issues when Amarillo is much more than downtown. And I think that voters will be receptive to people talking about how we can turn around city policies to make it where the economy of Amarillo, and I'm talking about the economy of Amarillo, not downtown's economy, but the entire city's economy, people will be receptive, I think, to that message, especially in this kind of an election. So those issues... uh uh, trust in City Hall, the economy, uh, uh, animal management, welfare, those are going to be issues that people are actually caring about. And I think that people uh, will be mistaken if they think that the only issue to care about is the Civic Center, even though, again, there are people that want that to be the case and think that that's going to be the case. And I think that's a mistake if that's the only way that you're able to see this selection, because it's not the only issue that people care about. Well, let's get into the really, I guess, um, high-profile part of the election, which is who are the candidates who will be running in these races. So, uh, of course, let's just go down through the list of each one of these races, and we will go through each one individually. For Amarillo Mayor, Ginger Nelson is the incumbent. She has not yet said whether she's going to run for re-election publicly. A lot of rumors are pointing that she may run for re-election, but uh, that is to be seen. 
I think she did a recent interview on a TV station where she said that she is still considering it, so we will uh, have to wait and see on that. But she would be running for her third term in office. Every incumbent on city council would be running for their third term in office if they seek re-election this year. Of course, she is a local attorney and investor and several different projects. Um, she won re-election in 2019 with 64% of the vote. Just under 64% of the vote. Claudette Smith um, and Kip Billups both received 25% and about 12% respectively. Um, and then for Emerald City Council, place one, Elaine Hayes, of course, the incumbent. She is not running again. She had three opponents last time. She got 67% of the vote, and uh, her closest opponent was Hayden Pedigo. I believe he was a 25-year-old uh, credit union teller, credit union manager, uh, and he received 13% of the vote. Uh, City Council placed two. Frida Powell is the incumbent. She has not said whether she will seek re-election. Um, but once again, a lot of rumors are pointing that she may. She received 71% of the vote last time against Teresa Harper. Eddie Sauer, incumbent for City Council Place 3, has not said whether he's going to run for re-election. Uh, he received 67%, or sorry, 66% of the vote uh, two years ago. And City Council Place 4, Howard Scott Smith is the incumbent. Uh, he is a local realtor. Um, he received about 72% of the vote when he sought re-election uh, two years ago. So um, the most interesting thing in those races that I pointed out to people uh, were just the total drop-off uh, for support that Ginger Nelson had from her 2017 election when um, a lot of people really took it. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. A lot of her supporters really took it as a mandate that this is what the people wanted. They wanted Ginger Nelson. I want to think it was like 75 to 80% of the vote she got uh, against Jim Lauder um, and Renee Dantes, but the big opponent in that cycle was Jim Lauder. I want to think it was 75 to 80% she got, and then she drops off to, uh, you know, 64%. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening in this cycle but let's go ahead and let's start with the mayor's race for mayor we have two announced opponents for ginger nelson thus far she has not once again said whether she's going to seek re-election uh, but let's just for the moment assume that she will seek re-election uh, she has two opponents who have announced their campaign so far claudette smith is running again and Jeffrey McElreath is a self-employed Amarillo resident, political newcomer. He has announced his campaign. Okay, Noah, give us the preview of the mayor's race. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, from just my initial impression, I would imagine that this is probably not the way the field is going to look come May. I would assume that you're probably going to have many more candidates who get in the race and possibly even some that, you know, enter and exit. Uh, just depending on how the cycle looks. But I imagine you're probably going to have a pretty large field. But give us your thoughts on this. What do you think about the mayor's race right now, and how do you think it's going to look come May? I think this is a very clear indication of how aptly titled this episode will be with uh, that this is a way too early 
preview. Uh, and I completely agree that this field is definitely going to change the way that it looks by the time we get to election day, probably by a really large amount. Uh, and you, you brought up really good points about the drop-off in support with the mayor between her initial election and when she first uh, won re-election. Uh, and I believe I, I wrote a column uh, after that election uh, pointing out that uh, while she was re-elected, she had a vastly diminished mandate. And what did she do with that change? What change has there been in city policy? There hasn't been a whole lot of change in the narrative from city council. It's been largely more of the same of what she did for the first two years in that position. And so I think it would be a pretty precarious position if she runs again. And so even all other things considered equal, even if it weren't shaping up to be where this would uh, have several seats that are open, it it definitely puts her in a pretty precarious position running again with uh, having a, uh, lost a large amount of her support after her first election and then not really doing anything to regain that support uh, after her second election. Uh, and again, though, uh, we re it really comes down to uh, who's going to be running for that position. And at this point, uh, there's only been a couple people who have announced. Uh, there's a, like, uh, Smith, she ran last time. She didn't get a huge amount of support. Uh, Remains to be seen if she'll be able to grow that or not. Uh, have a the other one, uh, and uh, really, uh, I think until we get some names that have more recognition, really until this uh, field settles down, it'll be hard to make any definitive guesses about how this is going to go. But uh, I think, like I said, the one thing that we know for certain is it will be a pretty precarious position for the mayor if she decides to run again after having, uh, at least in my opinion, not done the whole lot to regain that support that she lost after the first election. Uh, and maybe some of the people who were giving her a second chance, I'm not sure if they'll be able to uh, continue to do that after seeing what the past couple of years have done to the city, uh, especially after uh, some of the things that she's done with supporting Prop A, with uh, uh, pushing those uh, term extensions, both of which failed at the ballot box. Well, then we get to what could be considered the glamour race uh, for the city council so far. It is for Emerald City Council place. One, Elaine Hayes is not running for re-election. And uh, two candidates have already announced their campaigns for that seat, and I'm sure that's going to grow. Hobart Gunny Brown Jr. is running. And Hobart Gunny Brown Jr. really has been at the forefront of the entire pushback against the term extensions and the tax increase proposal uh, for Propositions A and B earlier this year. He was the treasurer for Save Amarillo PAC. He's a local veteran. So uh, Hobart Gunny Brown Jr., course a lot of community service in his background and another candidate who's in the race cole stanley he has a local construction company um not really super involved in politics this is going to be his first time running but he is in the race uh, i'm sure we're probably going to see more candidates come out but so far we have two candidates noah and uh i mean this is an open seat it's kind of hard to tell this is probably one of the harder ones to preview since it's an open seat but what do you think about this race 
I think there's a lot of different ways that one could look at this one. Uh, you know, if you were completely disconnected with the, uh, with the power structures and stuff that exist within our local political system, it almost seems like Culver Gun Ground should be the obvious choice, uh, at least based on the narrative that Lane Hayes set up for herself, where uh, her entire political story is that she's a real fiscal conservative. And you have a guy who has actually done a lot of work in his private life uh, pushing against a tax increase. So uh, from that perspective, it seems like Culver would be the obvious choice. And then you also get into some of the details of it to actually look at uh, like Elaine Hayes's her voting record hasn't been uh, in my opinion it hasn't been as conservative as uh, she would like to paint it and then you have someone who's running who has actually fought even without being in a position of political power has actually fought against a tax increase and has won that fight so I think that that's a really good position for Howard to be in uh, for Gunny to be in uh, he's already got plenty of name recognition in the city. And then you've got uh, Cole Stanley. Uh, and, uh, no, he's a local businessman. And uh, I am uh, supportive of bringing in a more business-minded approach to politics, at least uh, in a kind of general sense. But, uh, but when you really think about it, to uh, what has Cole Stanley done? What can he say? What can he bring to the table that is different than uh, someone who has actually been working on these issues and working on these issues in a position where he has won support, where he has actually defeated this major tax increase, where he has defeated these term length extensions? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it seems to me like, uh, at least with the two candidates that have announced so far, maybe I'm a bit biased on, in this regard, but it seems like a pretty clear choice would be Gunny at this point. Uh, as you say, uh, and uh, again, it goes with the title of this episode, this is a really early, probably way too early look at it, because this field will grow uh, in the coming weeks as we figure out who is going to be running, who's not going to be running. Uh, and of course, you know that uh, Elaine Hayes, she's announced she's not running. So it will be an open race, and it will be interesting to see who comes out on top uh, and what the major figures of this race end up being, because it could very easily become a really wide race with uh, candidates of all different backgrounds jumping in. And next up for City Council, place two. In City Council, place three, of course, for place two, Frida Powell's the incumbent, and uh, Eddie Sowers the incumbent for place three. Neither one of those incumbents have said whether they're running for re-election and they don't have opponents yet, <laughs> regardless. So I'm not going to make you preview those. Um, you know, if you want to make up some opponents, you can, but I'm not going to put you on the spot there. For place four, though, we will talk about place four. Uh, Howard Scott Smith is the incumbent. He defeated Stephen Raimundo Rosas Jr. to win re-election in 2019. Uh, oh, I will mention this very quickly, though. Uh, for City Council Place 2, that's free to palsy. An interesting note, her opponent from two years ago, Treva Harper, uh, actually, without spending much money at all, I, I don't think Treva spent, uh, you know, more than $1,000 on her campaign. She's a local uh, 
janitorial worker, custodial worker. She received more votes than any other challenger for city council last year. So that's um, an interesting thing to note. But back to place four. Howard Scott Smith is the incumbent. He defeated Rosas uh, last year. He has an opponent, uh, Ali Ramos. And a lot of people know Ali Ramos uh, because of what happened with a local restaurant name earlier this year. Um, Ali Ramos was leading the uh, fight on that issue. Um, that's going to be an interesting race to see. I mean, walk us through this right now. I would imagine you're probably going to get some more candidates for all of these seats. Um, but what do you think about this race so far, Noah? Well, uh, Howard uh, running again, uh, he's been one of the more quiet members in a lot of ways on this council. Uh, uh, hasn't really interjected his or he hasn't really injected his personality uh, into too many discussions. Uh, so uh, it, it will be interesting to see uh, if he's able to bring uh, some more of his personality into this race, especially if some of the other ones uh, that we don't know if they're running again or not, if they don't run, uh, how he's going to be perceived without having the rest of the incumbents with him. Uh, but he, he also, uh, with that, uh, it's hard to imagine really much of a platform for him to be running on versus having these other candidates in these wider races where, uh, especially in these open races, it's going to force it to be a lot more about the issues, uh, in a lot of ways, rather than, rather than, uh, having a campaign about the personality of the people that are already in office. So, uh, uh, whenever he's going to be forced into that kind of position, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of campaign he has this go around. And then there's also, uh, his opponent, uh, his opponent, uh, it's, I'm Ali Ramos, uh, she has shown some leadership, uh, with that. Uh, and it will be interesting to see also in that case, if she's able to take her leadership on that issue to being able to show leadership uh, on a more uh, wide uh, setting when it comes to the issues of the city at large, it'd be interesting to see if she's able to pivot between those two and if she's going to be able to, number one, maintain support from the people who are along with her on that issue, and number two, expand her support to the people who uh, care about these other issues that will be voting in this election. And uh, again, this is going to be a race where I imagine that there will be a lot more people jump in. It'll be interesting to see if as many people jump into this race as they will uh, open race, such as place one. Uh, But again, uh, I I think like uh, the overall theme, this episode has really lived up to the title of it. It is a pretty early look at it and there's still a lot that could happen there's going to be more people that will be jumping into this race and it'll be interesting to see uh what kind of personalities get involved and what the narrative ends up being what issues are going to be central to this campaign well it certainly uh will be interesting and as a final note joe west who is a local Um, I believe he's an administrative assistant at Amarillo College. He is also running for city council. He has not yet 
announced which seat he will be running for. We're going to be having him on the podcast soon. We're going to try to get him to answer that question ourselves. <laughs> so maybe we'll break it here. Outside of those races, uh, of course, school board races are up. The interesting thing about the school board is four seats are up this year. I want to read you <laughs> the list of the people who won seats on the school board in 2017. Okay. Four-year terms on the school board. Uh, the seats are all up this year that were up in 2017. Uh, at the time, incumbent Eric Darnell lost his seat on the school board, and you ended up with one new face and three re-elected incumbents. Those people who won the seats in 2017 were James Allen. Of course, a lot of people know who James Allen is here in the community. Uh, pretty heavily involved with a lot of different um, organizations and entities. Outside of that, John Ben Blanchard. He's a local attorney. Renee McCown. And Christy Cooper Wilkinson, who is a, I believe, a retired school teacher uh, at the time she won. She may have been a current school teacher at the time she won, but either way, she's an educator. Now, with this year's election... The four incumbents right now on the school board who will be up for re-election are Robin Malone, David Nance, Doyle Corder, and Kayla Mendez. What do you notice about those four people? None of them were elected in 2017. What happened? Well, everybody who got elected in 2017 resigned <laughs> at some point during their terms. The only one who has actually faced the voters is Robin Malone. She won a special election last year where she was unopposed. It, that's really interesting. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see who ends up running for those seats. But yes, four seats are up on the school board. Uh, this year on the Amarillo College Board of Regents, the incumbents who are up for re-election are Annette Carlisle, Patrick Miller, and Dan Henke. And on the Canyon Independent School District Board of Trustees, we have several candidates. We're up. Bill Jenkins is one of the candidates. Matt Parker, who was appointed to his seat. He'll be facing the voters this year for the first time. Randy Darnell. And finally, Jennifer Weingartner. Interesting thing about Jennifer Weingartner, she is married to Josh Weingartner. Uh, who was a candidate for the United States House of Representatives this year, uh, Amarillo Matters back candidate who lost to Dr. Ronnie Jackson in the Republican primary runoff. She'll be facing the voters this year herself, assuming she runs for election, of course. Those are the remaining Amarillo races. And it's going to be interesting to see. Noah, I'm not going to put you on the spot on any of those races, but, you know, keeping in line with our way-too-early preview of this election. I want your take on this. Uh, based on my count, I believe there were 14 candidates who sought Amarillo City Council seats in 2019. I may be wrong on that. Do you think we're going to have more than 14 candidates seek seats this year? Right now we have, what, seven candidates running? Yeah, because we have Joe West, who has not declared a seat, um, and then... Claudette Smith, Jeffrey McElreath, Hobart Gunny Brown, Cole Stanley, 
Howard Smith and Ali Ramos. That's seven, I believe, right? Um, so we have seven candidates who have announced. So Noah, keeping in line with our way too early preview of the city council elections, are we going to have more than 14 candidates who run this year? I absolutely believe that there will be, uh, because we've got, uh, at the very least, we know that place one is going to be an open race. And when people are faced with the potential of having to run against an incumbent, uh, and, uh, all the issues that that comes with having to fight against someone with an actual platform, someone that already has the built in name recognition that, uh, sometimes turns people off from running but we've got a situation where we've got at least one race that is going to be an open race and we've got several others where there is a pretty strong chance that they might be open races and so we'll probably be seeing people jump in uh that hadn't previously and then we've also got all these issues that have affected emerlins uh over the past couple of years that will uh incentivize more people to jump in because we've got more people paying attention to local politics than there probably ever has been. Uh, and we've been a city that is pretty notorious for apathy towards local politics. And so whenever you're seeing the number of people that care about these issues growing, I think it's safe to say that we will see a larger field overall than we did in a, in the previous election. Well, I think you are probably right. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, hopefully we will have you on here for another preview as we actually get past filing deadline and get a little bit closer to the election. Uh, but we're going to be talking about these races much, much more in the future. But Noah, uh, we really appreciate you coming on here tonight. And tell the people where they can find you and what you're working on online. Well, uh, you can find... Uh, uh, it's... It's called a weekly column. I've not been perfect about that since, you know, uh, on Emerald Pioneer uh, with uh, my Nose Remark column. I also uh, do articles uh, for uh, Lone Star Voice Online. Uh, uh, I got my uh, Twitter account, which I, uh, uh, which is just at Noah Clay Dawson. Uh, I probably argue too much with uh, strangers about economics on there. Uh, and so if you follow me, expect to see quite a bit about that and, uh, and opinions about modern space industry as well. Uh, so, uh, it's not really exciting thing, uh, to follow, but if you're in the mood for watching someone, uh, argue, uh, his, uh, fairly obscure, super free market economic positions with random strangers online, you can follow at Noah Clay Dawson on Twitter and, uh, and that's uh, really one of the only social media pages I have that says really uh, very public. I also have uh, some of the other social media pages, but I don't really post much to any of those. And like I said, my Twitter is mainly for me to argue with strangers about economics. So as you can tell, I'm a really exciting person to be around. <laughs> well, no, we, we appreciate you being on here. You are the most exciting guest we've had today. So we appreciate that. But, um, Noah, hey, thanks for being with us, and uh, we will have you on here again very soon. All right. It's been a pleasure.